be the guy of the office that everybody loves to hate. Everything always goes perfect for this guy. He gets the promotion, the biggest raise, drives the best car, lives in the biggest house, has a gorgeous wife. His kids get straight A's on all the report cards, and you want to burn your kid's report card. Every December, he goes to the Caribbean. He has a tan all winter long. He recently won the lottery for the second time. So you're driving down the road, and you see that the police have pulled a car over. Isn't the natural instinct to look in and see who that driver is? You do that, and it's the guy from work. Now, I want you to be honest for a minute. What are you thinking right now? Glee? Happiness? Joy? You drive by, look in, see the guy, and go, and go yeah. Okay. Welcome to the world of envy. We're in a series on the seven deadly sins. We're at number six today. Galatians 5, 25 and 6 from the Living Bible says, If we are living now by the Holy Spirit's power, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Then we won't need to look for honors and popularity, which lead to jealousy and hard feelings. Envy and jealousy are cousins. They're close relatives. Jealousy wants what the other guy has and is afraid that they're going to lose what they have. Envy is grief at another's good. It's where I don't want him to have what he has. It's resenting God's blessings in others. It's as if you want to put a curse on them, give them the evil eye. And our culture encourages envy. Commercials say, buy our product and you'll be the envy of all your neighbors. Big SUV drove by. This was the vanity license plate. Can you figure it out? Yeah, easy to envy me. Anything you do, I can do better. My dog's better than your dog because he eats kennel ration. My dog's better than yours. Yeah, we've all envied. There was a study done on what people buy, and they found that people will sacrifice quality for a brand name. Two equal items, people will pay more for the brand name item, even if it's inferior in quality. The reason? So others will envy them. We work hard to be envied. Not only do I want my grass to be greener than yours, I want yours to turn brown. Envy's everywhere. It's in school. It's in the workplace. Yeah, even in the church. The Bible is full of examples. Cain and Abel. Jacob and Esau. Leah and Rachel. Joseph and his brothers. Saul and David. Lots of envy in families. Maybe you dread going to the Christmas gathering of your family because that relative is going to be there. You know, that ultra successful relative who will talk nonstop the whole day about all his successes, which leads you to envious and hateful thoughts. Doctors envy doctors. Businessmen envy businessmen. 
And yes, pastors envy other pastors. Maybe you've heard the story of the monk who was extremely holy. Demons tried everything to get this guy to sin. They tried, and nothing worked. Lust, greed, anger, nothing worked. So then the devil came to these demons and says, I've got the plan for you. Tell him that his brother was just made bishop. And that worked. We've all had envy, either from a passing thought to a crippling bondage. It's a deadly sin, and it spawns other sins, according to the ancients. Why did they feel like this was one of the seven deadly sins that, that bore close examination of our lives? What kind of problems are created by envy in our lives? Let me give you three. First, it causes conflict with others. Causes conflict in my life. James 4.1 What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? It destroys relationships. Jesus told a story in Matthew chapter 20 of a landowner who went out hiring workers for his fields. He hired them at different hours of the day and paid them all the same. Those who worked longer were upset because they were paid the same as those who worked a shorter time. And Jesus, knowing what was in their hearts, said, are you envious of God's generosity? Friendships split over envy. One gets the promotion or the big sale. And his buddy says, he's changed. He's not like he used to be. He thinks he's better than me now. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But it's obvious that envy divides friends. Cain envied Abel's relationship with God and killed his brother Abel. It says in Genesis 4, 6 through 8, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Joseph's brothers envy his special relationship with their father, Jacob, and they sold him into slavery. It says in Genesis 37:11, and his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. David was on King Saul's staff and played the harp for him to comfort him. But Saul became jealous over David's special relationship with God. We read this in 1 Samuel 18. Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre. As he did day by day, Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Remember the game, the game King of the Hill? We played that some as youth. 
the idea was to be on this mound or small hill and push everyone else down. So that meant only one could be on top. And that scenario has played out all across our country and world in offices and workplaces. Who's number one? A second problem with envy that causes difficulties in my life, it leads to other sins. James 3.16 says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Envy involves jealousy, which is the sin of wanting something exclusively for yourself. Coveting, which wants what another has. Pride, which feels you should have what they have. And self-righteousness, which says you deserve what they have more than them because you're a better person. The jealous or envious person has to judge that person. They evaluate their merits for worthiness of what they have. And the person is always found wanting. We rationalize our judging. We know it's wrong to feel the way we do and to judge them, but we rationalize it away by saying they're materialistic or they're prideful or they're not a Christian. We also have inappropriate anger over their success. We gossip about them, murdering them in our heart and slandering their character to others. We're bitter at God, our mate, for not giving us more, or ourselves for not being more talented. We wallow in self-pity, and if it goes on long enough, depression. It breeds other sins. Cain killed Abel. Saul tried to kill David. Satan tried to overthrow God's throne. And the Pharisees killed Jesus out of envy. It specifically says in Matthew 27, 18, envy breeds other sins. I remember reading about a murderous plot in Texas. One girl made cheerleader and another girl didn't. And that girl's mother hired a hitman to kill that other girl. That's the power of envy. It makes you crazy. It leads to a host of other sins. You just can't stand the fact that someone's better than me. Third problem it creates in my life, it makes me miserable. Proverbs 14.30 says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. It ruins my peace, my happiness, my joy. It allows another to live rent-free inside my head. And it eats me up inside like a cancer. And you know what? The other person doesn't even know you feel that way about them. It only hurts you. It can make you bitter and depressed. It's not fair. He gets all the breaks. What about me? Classic example, Haman in the book of Esther. And his envy of Mordecai. He was second in command in the entire Persian Empire. He was rich and powerful. Here's what it says about Haman. He recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, all the promotions with which the king had honored him, and how he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Then Haman said, Even Queen Esther, let no one but me come 
with the king to the feast she prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her together with the king. Now listen to this. Yet all this is worth nothing to me. So long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. All that I have, I can't appreciate it because this one fellow won't bow down to me. He couldn't enjoy what he had. So he wanted to get back at that fellow Mordecai by killing him. But not just him. He wanted to kill all the Jews because Mordecai was a Jew. We can't appreciate our blessings when we're envious. Gore Vidal said, when a friend succeeds, something in me dies. The movie Amadeus, one of my favorite movies, Salieri envied Mozart. It actually drove him to the insane asylum. Salieri had been given a musical gift by God. He was a very devout man, religious, and a very hard worker with the gift God has given him. But then Mozart came on the scene. He got the king's attention. It wasn't very long before they realized Mozart was a crude man. And a sinful man, but had a tremendously profound musical gift. He was a musical genius. And Salieri every day began to hate him a little bit more. And in one powerful scene, the crucifix was on the wall and he took it off the wall. And he threw it into the fire. And he vowed to God that he would destroy God's gift in him. And he became a miserable man all the days of his life. I've had two melanomas in my life, and the doctor had to cut it out. Envy is much, much worse. It's a deadly sin, and people allow it to reside inside their bodies all the time. Got to get rid of it. How? By changing our thinking. What can I do? Let's get practical. Number one, don't compare yourself to others. Don't compare yourself to others. First Corinthians ten twelve says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. When I compare myself to that other guy, I'm usually just seeing the things that are going perfectly well in his life and not seeing all the problems that I just don't know about behind the scenes. You will always find someone better at you than something, and if that's your focus, that makes you discouraged. And you will always find someone worse at you than something, which can make you proud. Both are bad. Stop comparing. Comparison is the root thought of the sin of envy. I remember getting a stingray bike when I was a kid for Christmas. You know, those with a banana seat? Mine had tassels dangling from the hand grips. Man, I thought I was the coolest kid now in my neighborhood. And I couldn't wait for it to warm up in springtime where I could get out there and ride my stingray bike and kind of show it off. But then when I was out there riding, a neighbor boy rode his bike by. He had the first 10-speed bike in the neighborhood. Suddenly, I was deflated. I was no longer excited about my bike. I wanted his bike. So we buy a new house, and our friend is building a much bigger, better house. And suddenly, our house doesn't look so great now. It's robbed our joy by comparison. 
Galatians 6, 4 says, but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Stop comparing. If you've done your best, that's where lasting satisfaction comes from. So what if all your other classmates get straight A's and you get C's? Just do your best. You don't have to be the best, especially in everything, because you can't. God gives different gifts and abilities to different people. Just use the gifts God has given you with joy and just fulfill the calling he's called you to do. Number two, I would say, in defeating this sin, value your uniqueness. Value your uniqueness. God made you. He gave you the gifts he wanted you to have. Psalm 139.14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Do you feel that way about yourself? 1 Corinthians 12.7, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. You have a spiritual gift. There will never be another you. No one is youer than you. You're not inferior to anyone, just different. So stop being insecure. Ever since I was a little kid, I didn't want to be me. I wanted to be Billy. And Billy didn't even like me. I walked like he walked. I talked like he talked. He began to hang around Herbie. And he walked like Herbie and talked like Herbie. He mixed me up. I began to walk and talk like Billy, walking and talking like Herbie. Then it dawned on me that Herbie walked and talked like Joey. And Joey walked and talked like Corey. So here am I, walking and talking like Billy's imitation of Herbie's version of Joey, trying to walk and talk like Corey. And do you know who Corey is always walking and talking like? Of all people, Dopey Kenny. That little pest walks and talks like me. So many of us need to learn to accept who we are, who's God made us to be, that we need to become comfortable in our own skin. And I really want young people to hear that today, to be comfortable in your own skin and not struggle with this your whole life. God has a plan for you that's unique to you. You'll find it. Don't worry. It'll have blessings in it. It'll have some sorrows in it. He'll redeem your mistakes. He'll take your foul-ups and work good through them. So you don't need to envy other people. Don't try to live their life. Just live the life God has given you. Third thing. Rejoice in what you have. Rejoice in what you have. We just talked about being grateful for who you are. Now, I want you to be grateful for what you have. Ecclesiastes 6.9 out of the Living Bible says, A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Mere dreaming of nice things is foolish. It's chasing the wind. If you are always focused on what you don't have and what others have, You'll never be grateful. You'll be angry and envying all the time. I think there's this big myth in America that having more things will make you happier. 
So will moving out of your $200,000 house into a $400,000 house make you twice as happy? A study was done with Midwest working moms who, who recently had a baby, and there was a percentage of them that did not want to go back to work. They wanted to stay home with their babies, but they went back to work so they could keep the rat race going, right? Keep earning money to keep buying things so other people would be envious of them. Ecclesiastes 4.4. Then I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. So maybe I need to ask myself, am I a workaholic because of envy? Philippians 4.11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So are you content today? Do you want wavy hair because you're stuck with straight hair? Do you wish you were taller, you had a smaller nose, you were married by now, or do you wish you were single again? We all want something different. Paul said, I've learned to be content. And that amazes me that the Apostle Paul himself didn't know this, that he had to learn it. He didn't know it automatically, and neither do I. It's not natural to be content. It's supernatural. It's natural to be envious and want others to envy you. I would say many of us need to re-enroll in the school of contentment again. And what's the first lesson they're going to teach you? I already have much more than I deserve. God gives you everything you need for today. Not next week, not next year, today. So, Pastor, should I have no ambition or set no goals? No, just give them to God. Tell God, God, I would really like to have that. I would really like to do that. I'd really like to go there if it's your will. I'm going to pray that. I'm going to wait on your timing, and I'm going to do what you show me to do. Here's a fourth thing to do to overcome envy. Respond to others with love. Respond to others with love. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Love, I feel, is the antidote to all seven deadly sins. If anyone should have been envious, it was the Bible character Jonathan. His father was King Saul. He was next in line to be king of Israel and would have naturally succeeded him, but that wasn't God's will. God had already selected David to be the next king. And David and Jonathan were best friends. It says in 1 Samuel 20, 17, And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Jesus told us to love our neighbor as ourself. Some people are easy to love. Some people are hard to love, like the guy in my story at the beginning of the sermon. You know, and I know, it's going to take God's supernatural love loving through us to love the jerks in life. Romans twelve fifteen says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Envy does the exact opposite. Envy is happy when others fail. Envy cries when others are more successful. 
It takes a big person to rejoice in other people's victories, especially competitors and enemies. It's hard to rejoice when that lady is pregnant again and you can't get pregnant. But love overcomes a multitude of sins, including envy. Lastly, number five. Focus on pleasing God. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know what? If I'm focused on God, I won't be focused on myself so much. I've learned that everything in life is temporary, except a few things. God is eternal. People's souls, that's eternal. The Word of God is eternal. But all the houses and cars and furniture and clothes, that stuff's all going to burn up someday. It won't really matter a hundred years from now. Yet, that's what we focus on. Pour our life and attention into when God says, make me priority number one in your life. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. It's God's will, God's purpose in your life that really matters. Understand this, sometimes in life, the bad guy wins. Life isn't always fair, but God will make it right. Proverbs 23, 17 in the Good News Bible says, don't be envious of sinful people. Let reverence for the Lord be the concern of your life. It's one reason why I believe strongly that there's a heaven and a hell, because God's going to settle the score one day. I don't have to. I just need to love and focus and trust him. He'll take care of the other guy. Are you struggling with envy today against a coworker, a relative, a classmate, a neighbor, a brother or sister or a church mate? Listen to 1 Peter 2.1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Get rid of envy out of your life. It's a cancer that will eat your soul. It's a deadly sin. It consumed Saliari, and he lost everything that he loved and wound up in an insane asylum. So maybe this morning I have to admit, Lord, it's in me. That sin of envy. Oh, Lord, take it out of me so I'm not consumed. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do the work that only the Holy Spirit can do. Put your finger on that sin in our life. If it is in me, Lord, I pray, Father, that we could admit it, confess it, forsake it, be delivered from it. It is no good at all for our life. Lord, instead, we want our focus to be on you. And rejoicing in you and all that you've given us. And loving one another. Even that hard to love person. Help us, Lord. Help us as we leave this place to truly put you first. Keep our eyes on you and walk closely with you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.